0: Hey friends, it's Andy. Welcome to our new show, Accelerate Expresso. Look, I mean, I know you're busy, and it's hard to keep up with all six of the great episodes we publish each week. So, with this show, Accelerate Expresso, we're going to deliver highlights from each episode from the previous week. And in the process, give you short, delicious shots of insight from a show you might have missed. And to help amp you up for the coming week. Now, before we jump into it, please remember to visit iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to subscribe to this podcast. And while you're there, leave a review, please, for Accelerate. We need your feedback to ensure that we keep delivering the high levels of value you expect. Okay, let's Expresso. First up on this week's Expresso from episode 526, it's Chris Ortolano. Chris is sales productivity partner at Outbound Edge and chapter president of the AAISP in Portland, Oregon. Now, in this episode, we talk about reimagining sales for the 21st century. And Chris shares his five-part framework for how to rethink sales oriented around curiosity, collaboration, commitment, communication skills, and change. Check it
1: out. You know, it's, it's, it's a new phrase. Um, I'll, you know, <laughs> throw out my two cents. Um, I think we need to look at productivity as some correlation between leading and lagging indicators. Uh, So, leading indicators are the training, the coaching, the learning and development that helps to make our process uh, more specific and uh, more effective. And then, can we correlate that with some increase in conversion, say, at the top of the funnel, or opportunities, uh, or ultimately revenue? We know it comes down to closed one. I've seen spreadsheets where people are doing this, but I don't think we have a, a a science yet. I think people are still trying to determine is it worth it, as you suggested earlier, to take 20 minutes out of our day? Oh, wait a minute. I think we can correlate that 20 minutes with uh, a, a higher quality conversation or getting more decision makers into the deal earlier on, moving the deals faster. Yeah, I see it. Co- until we can prove that correlation a little bit more, I think productivity is still open to interpretation.
0: Well, how would you define productivity?
1: It's a correlation between the leading and the
0: talking. Yeah. I mean <laughs> On Tuesday in episode five hundred and twenty seven, I spoke with Randy Gage, best selling author, leading speaker on success and prosperity, and president of his own company called the Prosperity Factory. And we had a really interesting conversation about how do you develop the mindset for success in sales, how to avoid average, which equals mediocrity, and how to innovate like a mad genius to find a
2: better way to sell. Yeah, if you have two or three people in your life who will tell you the truth, then you got a shot to be in the top 2%. You have a shot to be world class. You have a shot to be mad genius. But most people don't have that because most people surround themselves with people who give them permission to stay the way they are. I say, yeah, you know, you never had a chance at that. You know, you're too old for that. You're not old enough for that. You were born on the wrong side of the tree. You need a, you know, you got to have connections for that. You need a degree for that. And we love to have people around us who tell us why things are not our fault, right? Uh, but that's not what's going to cause us to break through. That's not what's going to cause us to grow. We need at least a couple people who love us enough to tell us the truth and love us enough to challenge us. And so I've always sought out those relationships of people that I can tell them the truth and I know they're going to tell me the truth. And when you can mastermind and brainstorm with people like that, uh, it's a whole different world for you. A whole different world. Yes, I
0: Thinking about you know these four areas you lined out, the, the mediocre, the good, the great. I actually thought the most dangerous one was the good. And for the reasons we talked about before, is that's that's the area where people have achieved something and then become self-satisfied and stop questing at that point. They start protecting sure. they, they start protecting. And I think for people listening to this podcast, is you know, a little bit of success is is dangerous if you don't
2: keep building on it. My comfort zones are so comfortable. <laughs> That's what we call comfort zones. The problem is nothing ever grows there. Yeah, they're deserts. They're deserts.
0: Next up on Wednesday, episode 528, my guest was Jocko Vanderkoy. Jocko's the founder and CEO of Winning by Design. And we have an in depth conversation about how the current sales model is broken, especially how it's floundering in SaaS companies and what needs to be done to fix it to make it sustainable into the future.
3: That is exactly right. So, I'm going to make a big statement, and that is in um, yeah, I'll let let that sit there for a second, okay? Sales, I want you to see it as a technology. Think of sales as a technology, and then think of that technology having hardly have any innovation over the past decade from a SaaS perspective, right? Over the past decade, we're still looking at that same model of inside sales model based on the same kind of people and profiles. Predictable revenue model. Predictable revenue model, uh, fine for its time, but you know, like the innovation has, you know, has been lacking since. And so, what we notice, and as as um, you know, like we represent a couple of hundred, you know, sales organizations in SaaS that we have worked with, we notice that that persistently fails per today. And we can actually predictively fail it again. That's not uh, a jab at at uh, the, the the methodology that was deployed at that point in time. It is just outdated because no longer are people responsive to emails, and no longer are people responsive to the single value proposition of of a capex versus opex model, mm-hmm. which was which is the premise of why that inside sales model works. Sure. So today, right? And so that is the the shortfall. So now we need an innovation, you know, and there's nothing out there. Everybody um you know, like is simply relying on tools to do the old methodology, to use the old innovation more effectively. And to my you know, to the point is I think that more tools um, are not having brought us the benefit that we had hoped for till date,
0: yeah, well, and I wanted to get into that because i I have long sought somebody to be able to show it to me and say, okay, yeah, here's here's the correlation we have between this infusion of this technology and these tools. And increased levels of performance and productivity on the part of sales. And as far as I can tell, it doesn't exist. That's
3: correct. I think, and and what you're experiencing is, you know, like, uh, I can give you all the tools you want, but if you're not executing the right process, then you're doing it, you know, like, then then the tools are not going to impact Or even worse, it, it can make the wrong impact, right? And Sure.
0: So so you talk about in the prezi in your presentation, I, I'll just call it the presentation. I keep on to call it Prezi, but is that you describe a zone where inside sales goes to die. So
3: explain what you, you meant by that. So what you when you start looking at the math behind SaaS, there is a particular there is a function or there's, there, 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 there's a curvature that tells below that curvature, a two touch sales organization doesn't work. And to give you a, a simple point of view, uh, a two-touch sales organization means that the SDR sets up a meeting, the meeting then gets closed by an AE. Mm-hmm. You know, The customer gets touched two times in this case. What we see in that is that if you're selling below, if you're selling a $5 service, for example, a, a Chrome plugin, that would not make any sense. Something right. like at that low price, we're probably best off buying it online. So at some point in time, it starts to make sense that you generate uh, that you can use a two-touch sales organization to generate revenue. That point previously was in the range of eight to ten thousand dollars, but as these SDRs found it harder and harder to generate SQLs, simply because email no longer is a scalable tool in order to generate leads in the B two B market. What well, we started to see that in the beginning, SDRs generated like 20, 22, 25 SQLs per month or one per day. But today we see that SDRs, these inside sales organizations, you know, are have, are falling in the production of, of of setting up meetings to sometimes you know like five or ten per month. With that, the client acquisition costs start to you know double almost if you know when you start to calculate it out, as well as that AAEs. The salespeople no longer convert one in three in their pipeline. They started to convert one in five. These metrics have created the triangle of death that that says if you if you're in this price zone, let's say ten thousand dollars per, per uh, annual contract, and your SDRs only generate five SQLs per month, then you're in, you, then you find yourself in the triangle of death where mm-hmm. sales organizations go to die. Now, if you're selling a two hundred to fifty thousand dollars annual contract value and then your SDR generates five SQLs, obviously then you're in the safe zone. You're on the other side of that. And so when you when you draw that out, then we see that, that where that line is today. And Andy, let me be straight up. That line is moving, and it's moving to higher ACVs uh, in order for you still to, to be able to afford the current double-touch sales organization.
0: In episode 529, I spoke with Kyle Porter, founder and CEO of SalesLoft, Always enjoy speaking with Kyle. And in this episode, Kyle and I had a really interesting conversation about artificial intelligence and in sales, where it's going, what it's being used for, and as Kyle describes, how increasing amounts of automation and sales can be used actually to enhance and elevate the human element of selling
4: well, I, you know, I'd like to address that, but you know, I'd like to start by talking about the fact that most salespeople aren't spending the majority of their time even connecting with the buyer in the first place, sure, right. There's Absolutely. study after study that says that, reps spend 60 to 70% of their time not actually selling. right? And so if you can double the amount, you know, if you, could, if you could flip that and say that, okay, now they are spending 65% of their time actually selling. So now you have a lot more bats, you have a lot more opportunity to improve. And, if, if you know, all us being equal, give me more time and I'm going to do you know, more time with more people and you're going to do a better job. So I think before you even start to get into this effectiveness question is, you know, how, how can we get more time with them because more time is going to equal more, you know, an improved way of going about it in the first place. Now, once you have that more time, uh, there's definitely, I mean, there's results, right? Did you get the thing that you wanted to get out of it? And, uh, and that's the ultimate goal. Uh, but yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of really neat things where you're, you know, uh, uh, our customers are recording many of their conversations as long as it's in compliance with the law. And then what they'll do is they'll create checklists of things that need to happen on those conversations, and the manager will score those conversations. And you can use many of the new uh, third-party kind of uh, call call analysis and review software that's out in the marketplace, and I'm sure you're aware mm-hmm, of. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, that's really neat stuff, and and you can you know put it on 1.5 speed and listen through and make sure they ask the right questions. And what I've seen is great managers, they have these scorecards and these checklists, and they're checking them off, and they're scoring a number of calls each day or each week, and they're able to tell, hey, here's how effective someone's been. Now, the future state, the AI state of this is understanding the context of those conversations, knowing that when the rep talks less than the buyer, that's typically a good thing. Or maybe it's not in this scenario based on you know, previous factors we've right. seen, but, but oftentimes it is. right? And we know that if the customer mentions the words uh, you know, pricing a number of times. Maybe at the first call, that's a good thing, or maybe it's a bad thing. It's a at the last call. But AI would know based on having experienced these things and tying them up with the ultimate outcome. But of course, this is you know some future thinking. I think the best way to look at it is it's not you know back to kind of your first point. AI sales is not replacing the salesperson; it's becoming the salesperson's assistant.
0: On Frontline Friday this week, it's episode 530, and Bridget and I talk about whether buyers benefit from all the sales technologies that have been introduced over the past five years or so? And if not, is that a gap that's really hurting sales productivity?
5: Yet there are moments of interaction, and I think a well-run sales process should be in service to the interaction.
0: Yeah. So and, and that's and, why I would extend that to the technology, right, as I talked about. why?
5: And the technology, and, yeah. and a well-run process that a rep that knows how to run. I'll give you an example of this that we talked about at um, our sales meeting this week is that we just won. Th- this company, who shall remain nameless, right now because mm-hmm. we just won run- won this deal. But they are a um, a very large enterprise customer. It's a very strategic win for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we're a tiny little company out of Tel Aviv. In case anyone's forgotten, we've been around for less than two years. So we're really the kind of the no name in the space, and up against some very other big log a, management companies. Except they have a superhero. They on do your have team. a superhero. They yes. do. There is a superhero on our team. Yes. That's yes. true. And I don't know if everybody has a superhero. <laughs> and the the company also makes a product that's competitive to ours.
0: Okay. the, in the, the customer sp- makes a product that's
5: competitive yes. to yours. Very interesting. Yes. And we won this deal. And one of the things they said is one of the reasons they won the deal that they cited was the relationship. Mm -hmm. That we were a company that was easy to deal with. They liked the process. We were responsive. We ran a good The sales rep on this is is stellar. Mm -hmm. But everybody top to bottom, all throughout, was extremely customer focused. And they said that was one of the key factors. They were looking for Partner. And they knew, they just, they, we demonstrated in this process that we were really going to be there as a partner and we were going to show up and we were going to answer the questions and be responsive and all the things you're talking about.
0: Finally, this week on episode 531, I spoke with Carl Sakus. He's the founder and CEO of Sakus and Company and author of a couple of books, including his latest, Made to Lead. And we had a Really interesting conversation about trust, and how to build it with new prospects. And Carl's had several great suggestions about how to build trust by being transparent and communicating your intent at the beginning of your sales cycle. It's good stuff, so check
6: it out. People are scared, or, or at least uneasy, you know, if they've hired someone to provide your service or are buying your products before, you know, maybe it didn't go smoothly. If it if they did before, it probably didn't, because why are they calling you instead of the previous? previous person uh, or if it's something they've never done before, they may not know what to expect. I, I see this a lot with my agency clients where ultimately agencies marketing agencies tend to be selling something fairly intangible. you know if you're doing a rebranding and mm-hmm. new brand identity, uh, the agency has an idea of what the deliverables might be. you know maybe it's a logo, maybe it's a style guide, maybe it's certain other artifacts. the client doesn't know if they're going to be happy with the outcome. Well, you're able to head that off from a client service perspective by saying, We have this whole process set up so that you are 100% delighted with what we create. You get X rounds of revisions to help fine tune so it's exactly what you want. If you want to add more revisions, always welcome to do that. We can discuss that when the time comes. But based on our experience working with firms like you and all of that about their circumstances, here's what we recommend. Thanks again for joining us. Until next week on
0: Accelerate Expresso, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. So that's it, friends. Another excellent week of Accelerate, the world's best sales podcast. Please take 30 seconds right now go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review. I personally want to know what I can do to make this an even more valuable resource for you. For our regular listeners, I'll see you bright and early Monday morning. For everyone else, we'll see you again back here next week. Until then, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.